This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. I hope you continue to watch for the next little while because we're going to talk about the subject of salvation. How does an individual obtain salvation? I think all of us would be interested in that subject. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize to you that this course is absolutely free. We want you to have it and that you might know more about the course, what's involved in the course, and how you can take the course. Let's just pause for a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. The world is composed of two groups of people those that are saved from their sins and those who are unsaved. Now, if it were possible, I, I would draw a line right here and tell you that that line that we're drawing represents the forgiveness of one's sins. And on one side of that line, we have the unsaved. That is, people who have not yet obtained the forgiveness of their sins. On the other side of that line, we have those that are saved, those that have obtained the forgiveness of their sins. And what we would like to learn today is what one must do to cross that line. What must I do to go from the unsaved state to the saved state? Now, let's think about that side where people are saved. And I want you to think about these two words, in Christ. What does an individual have if they are in Christ? And there are several passages of Scripture that we would like to read. First of all, we turn to Ephesians, the first chapter in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We learn there in that passage that if an individual is in Christ, that he has access to all spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings. Now let's look at another passage of Scripture. This is in Romans the 8th chapter in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now that passage says that there's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. So in Jesus Christ we have access to all spiritual blessings. There is no condemnation. Now let's read a third passage, and this one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be 
in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now that passage of Scripture tells me that a man who is in Jesus Christ is a new creation, a new creature. And now let's read a fourth passage, and this one is in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10. I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Now let's think about the things that we have just learned. We have learned that in Christ are all spiritual blessings. That in Christ there is no condemnation. That in Christ we are new creatures. That in Christ is to be found salvation. In other words, if a person is in Christ, he or she is saved. Now let's forget about that side of, the, of our equation now, that side of the line, and let's look on the side that talks about being unsaved. And there are six, over six billion people in our world, the majority of whom are not saved. They're unsaved. But why is an individual unsaved? The answer to that is found in Romans, the third chapter in verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It is sin that causes an individual to be in an unsaved state. Romans, the sixth chapter in verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, that is spiritual death, or separation from God. And so the reason that people are unsaved is because of sin. Sin is failing to do what we know we should do. James the fourth chapter in verse 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Sin is the transgressing of God's law, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. There are sins of omission, that is where we omit things we ought to be doing. There are sins of commission where we do things that we ought not to do. And the reason that people are unsaved is because of sin. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. But now that raises a question. What has God done that an individual might go from that unsaved state to the saved state? What has God done that I might cross that line where I obtain the forgiveness of my sins and I'm saved in Christ? Well, to answer that question, we're going, we will turn now to John, the third chapter, in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, what we learn in that passage of Scripture is that God gave his Son almost 2,000 years ago 
as a sacrifice, as an atoning sacrifice, that you and I might be saved from our sins. So the question then is not, has God done anything? The fact is, God gave His precious Son that you might be saved in Him. But what would God have us do that we might be saved? In fact, is there anything that I can do in order that I might be saved? Well, first of all, we are to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In John the 8th chapter and verse 24, Jesus said, Except ye believe that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. So we either believe in Jesus Christ or we will die in our sins. But is it sufficient just to believe? Or to put it another way, are we saved only by faith? In James the second chapter, the Bible says, You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Inasmuch as the Bible teaches that we are not saved by faith only, I dare not teach that men can be saved by faith alone. For in fact, we must repent of our sins. In Luke the 13th chapter and verse 3, our Lord said, I tell you nay, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. It's repent or perish. Well, what does that mean? Well, someone says, well, I'm really sorry about what I've done, but why are you sorrowful? There is a godly sorrow, and there is a worldly sorrow. In 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, and verse 10, Paul wrote, godly sorrow work with repentance unto salvation not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. So you see, there's a godly sorrow. There's a worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow. Here, here's an individual who maybe they've done something wrong. Now they are sorrowful, but they're sorrowful because they were caught in their deed. But a person who has that godly sorrow in his or her heart is sorrowful at having violated the will and the law of God Almighty. And we want to do better. But what does it mean to repent? If that godly sorrow leads us to repentance, what does it mean to repent? Well, in the 21st chapter of Matthew, there was a man who had two, some sons. And they were instructed to go work in the vineyard. And the younger said, I will not. And you know, there are many people today who are that way with God now. God tells them to do certain things and they're rather obstinate. And they said, I just won't do it. I will not. But the Bible says later he repented and he went. What did he do? He changed his mind. And repentance is a change of mind for the better. So what would God have me to do to be saved? He would have me to believe on His Son and to repent of my sins. But further, He would have me confess that I believe in His Son. Even Jesus in the 10th chapter of Matthew, verses 32 and 33 said, 
Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. So Jesus wants us to confess him. In the 8th chapter of, of Acts, the evangelist by the name of Philip was teaching the man from Ethiopia. And as they went on their, on their way, the, the man from Ethiopia asked this question. Here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And so the preacher said, If thou believest, with all thine heart thou mayest. In other words, if you are a believer, you can be baptized. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so in order to be saved, we must have the, the faith that says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And it's believe in Him if we're to be saved. So here's what we've learned. We've learned that God gave us enough, loved us enough that He gave His Son. And we are to believe in that Son. We are to repent of our sins. And we should confess the sweet name of the Lord Jesus Christ before men. But the Bible teaches that we are to be baptized. Now, now there are different ideas that people have about baptism and what constitutes baptism. One concept is that baptism is a sprinkling or a pouring, not for salvation. A second concept is that baptism is an immersion in water, a burial in water, not for salvation. And yet a third concept is that baptism is a burial in water for or unto the remission of one's sins. Now the question is, what does the Bible teach? I want to call your attention now to several passages of Scripture. The first one is found in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, where Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. In that passage, there are two conditions of salvation that are mentioned. Faith in Christ, he that believeth, and baptism, and is baptized, shall be saved. Jesus did not say in the second part of that passage, he that, is, that believeth not and is not baptized shall be condemned. For there is only one condition of condemnation mentioned, that's unbelief. It would have been rather redundant for Jesus to have said, and is not baptized shall be condemned. For in fact, an individual is condemned at the very point of their unbelief. But Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Who shall be saved? The, the, the one who believes and the one who is baptized is the one who shall be saved. 
Well, let's just read another passage of Scripture. Let's turn to the 22nd chapter of Acts in verse 16. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It is arise, that is get up, be baptized, wash away your sins. I want you to observe that in that passage, the washing away of sins comes after the act of baptism and not before. So this is what this passage teaches about baptism. You're baptized, and then your sins are washed away. Let me read yet another passage of Scripture, and this one is in Acts, the second chapter, and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So these people were told to repent of their sins. They were told to be baptized. What was the purpose of their repentance and their baptism? It was for or unto the remission of their sins. Now let me read you another passage. This one is found in 1 Peter, the third chapter, verse 21. The like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that passage says, baptism saves us. Someone says, now wait, wait, Brother Lambert, because I, I've heard you teach that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves us. Well, let me ask you a question. What is the connection between the blood of Christ and baptism? Now, let me, let me illustrate that like this. Let's, let's ask two questions. First question is, what washes away our sins? Now, the answer to that question is found in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What washes away our sins? Nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can wash away our sins. But the second question is, when does that blood wash away our sins? The answer to that is found in Acts the 22nd chapter in verse 16. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So the blood washes away our sins, but it washes away our sins when we're baptized. Well, let's ask another question. What remits our sins or gives remission of sin? To answer that question, we turn now to the 26th chapter of Matthew and verse 28 where Jesus said, This is my blood, 
of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. And so Jesus shed his blood for the remission of sins. That is, that we might obtain the remission of our sins. But when does that blood remit our sins? We, we turn now to Acts, the second chapter in verse 38, for the answer to that question, where Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so in Matthew, the 26th chapter and verse 28, Jesus shed his blood for the remission of sins. And the same phrase, for remission of sins, is found in Acts, the second chapter and verse 38, where Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. So, it is the blood that remits our sins. But when does that blood remit our sins? And it is when we are baptized. Now another question. How can I have a clean, purged conscience? Well, to answer that question, we turn to the book of Hebrews, the ninth chapter neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of goats and calves and ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now that's Hebrews 9, verses 12 to 14. Now let me ask you a question. How can I have my conscience purged from, of sin? Well, the answer is in Hebrews 9, 14, by nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. But when does that blood purge my conscience? To answer that, I turn now to 1 Peter the third chapter in verse 21. The like figure, whereunto even now baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but listen to it now, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What purges my conscience? Nothing but the blood. But when is it purged? It's when I baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. So there definitely is a connection between the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of our sins. And so there, well, somebody says, but Brother Lambert, how, how does a person get into Christ? If in Jesus Christ we have access to all these spiritual blessings, and if in Jesus Christ we're new creatures, and in Christ there's no condemnation, in Christ there's salvation, you've not shown me from the Bible how a person gets into Jesus Christ. Well, let's turn now in our Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 3, 
and verse 26. Galatians 3, 26. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now that's where we want to be, isn't it? In Christ Jesus. Remember, in Christ Jesus there are those spiritual blessings. But in Christ Jesus there's no condemnation. That in Christ Jesus we're new creatures. That in Christ Jesus we have salvation. So we are all children of God by faith in Christ. But how does one get into Christ where he has access to those blessings, where he has salvation, where there is no condemnation, where he is a new creature? Well, look at Galatians 3 verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. How did they get into Christ according to Galatians 3.27? You say, well, Brother Lambert, that says they were baptized into Christ. Well, if we are baptized into Christ and it is in Christ that we have those blessings and in Christ there's no condemnation, we're new creatures and have salvation, how does one obtain those blessings? You say, well, then evidently, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we are baptized into Christ, and that's when our sins are cleansed and washed away in the precious blood of the Lamb. Now call your attention to a passage in the book of Romans, chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Where did Jesus shed his blood? You say, well, in his death. So, so you see, the Bible teaches that when we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into the benefits of that death. Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, I've heard other preachers say different things. I'm talking about what the Bible teaches here. You see, we, we want to know what does the Word of God say about these matters. And I know that if I take what the Bible says, that that has to be right, doesn't it? So let us always try to adhere to what God says in His Word. Salvation can be had by all mankind if we would obey Jesus. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Please do that. And may I urge you, please, to pick up the phone, call for the Bible course, or if you prefer, take it online. But whatever you do, let's get involved in studying more about the gospel. Please, let's do that. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. It's my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com. Or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.